Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Mesut Ozil is in here! Beautiful goal! Walcott! What a goal! It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez, a quality goal from the Gunners! Hi, I'm Russell Hargreaves, welcoming you to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for this edition of Monday the 19th of September. Coming up over the course of the show, Arsene Wenger is going to be talking to us about new signing Lucas Perez. And a moment of brilliance from Nigel Winterman is the subject of our history lesson. Our first access Arsenal of the new season is among our features, as is the return of the chalkboard with our ever-popular resident analyst, Adrian Clark. We kick off, though, with the weekend review Nick Brumsack and Dan Roper. When the match is over, they're still talking. Right, but what are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? What are you doing? Sitting here at 8.45, waiting for you. Well, you know, I'll get out. It's the Weekend Review with Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack. Well, Nick Brumsack and Dan Roebuck join us. Actually, that's not strictly true, because Nick joins us. Dan, currently AWOL, which is concerning, but hopefully Mr Roebuck will join us at some stage during this Weekend Review. Nick. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Yeah, not, not too bad, thanks. A bit put out by Roebuck, actually. A bit of a part-timer now, isn't he? Didn't go to Hull on at the weekend. Wasn't in Paris. And he's not here now on the Arsenal Weekly podcast. Let's keep the faith. He may yet join us. In the meanwhile, let's just remind ourselves of 1-1 as it finished in Paris between PSG and Arsenal in their Champions League opener. PSG are floating forwards already. With purpose. Ball in a free header and a goal for Cavani! Totally unmarked, Arsenal switched off, 1-0 Paris Saint-Germain. Well, it's a wonderful start for PSG and a nightmare scenario for Arsenal. Alexis, back with Mesut Ozil. That's not a bad ball, Awobi! Good save, Alexis! Arsenal have equalised. We said it could happen and Alexis Sanchez has levelled up the match. He's a big player, isn't he? Alexis Sanchez. And when his moment came, he held his nerve. So 1-1, Nick, and uh, a game at times that Arsenal struggled in. They were certainly on the back foot at times, but to get that point, to be up and running in their group, so, so important in probably their most difficult fixture we would expect as well, to come away with something. Absolutely, and I mean, looking at it objectively, you'd say what a good point that was, because let's be honest, Arsenal didn't deserve anything from the game, uh, were it not for the heroics of David Ospina and Edinson Cavani not quite having his shooting boots on, it could have been very, very different. But that being said, I was quite pleased by the way that the team came back after the break. I thought in the first half, 
They were dominated all too easily. Um, they made it too easy for PSG as well. And they came back after the break. I thought Alex Werby had a, a good game on his return. And the main man, Alexis Sanchez, once again coming up trumps just when Arsenal needed him. We'll talk about Ospina first, if we can, in light of that game. And uh, as you say, a great display from a man who comes in and out of the side. And there's a pressure, isn't there, on either a number two keeper or a specialist cup keeper as he is, which is kind of the same but slightly different. He knows he will get game time. It's about hitting the ground running and performing. And it's not an easy discipline to have, is it? No, not at all, because David Ospina won't have played with the exception of uh, in games for Colombia since last season. It can be difficult when you're training day in, day out, and you know that Petr Cech's the undisputed number one because he's a legend of the game. He won the, the clean sheet uh, Golden Glove Award last season as well. So, yeah, of course, it's tough for David Ospina. And what it means is that he needs to be in the right mental state of mind to know that, right, I'm going to get a chance in the Champions League. I must take it. And let's not forget, he didn't do that last season, of course, that, that game at home to Olympiagos where he dropped the corner into the net. Um, but having said that, he, he was excellent in Paris and really he was the main reason that Arsenal got a point. I mean, that save from, from Di Maria at the end was excellent, albeit he was atoning for his uh, mistake because the pass out was poor. And also I was impressed by the way he came off his line. He looked really sharp. Uh, and he denied Edinson Cavani, of course, a couple of times as well. So, yeah, it was a big performance from him. And it's good, I think, for Arsenal to know and for Arsene Wenger to know that if Petr Cech does ever get sent off, if he's injured, then Arsenal have got a really able replacement waiting in Ospina. And just one more on Europe as we move back, obviously, to the Premier League. And then Europe will be back in a week or so, won't it? Great to have made that statement and to, to have a healthy position in the group to build on with a home game to come. Yeah, as you mentioned, Russ, it's, it's the most difficult game on paper out of the way now. And you'd think with uh, the Basel game and then the Ludogorets header, if Arsenal can take maximum points from that, which... Let's be honest, it won't be easy because Basel are a very good side and, and Luda Goretz are a bit of an unknown quantity, got a good point as well on, on match day one. Then hopefully they can get themselves into the position where when PSG then come to the Emirates, I think at the end of November, if Arsenal win that game, then hopefully they can establish themselves at the top of the group and avoid the likes of, of Bayern Munich and Barcelona, you know, the teams that we've seen visit here in the last 16 in, in recent years. Well, Nick, as we start to turn our attention to the weekend just gone, which I had the pleasure, like you, of, of commentating on, Arsenal's 4-1 win at Hull, one of the very important things was, was Alex Awobi, a very important contribution from him, so close to getting a goal and such a potent threat. And I believe we can also now bring in, belatedly, this man, Dan Roebuck. He joins us at long last. Dan, we've missed you. Where have you been? Well, it's Monday morning, Ross, and you know that I'm always busy. However... This Monday morning in particular, I had the pleasure of the boiler man to come round to my flat to try and work out exactly what was wrong while we didn't have any hot water. So I've just been trying to stay out of the boiler. Oh, he's working on it at the moment, he's Baldy. I don't know. Baldy, are you there? <laughs> terrible he's excuse. He's fine, fine him. He's, wor he's working away at the moment. I don't want to pull him, pull him away from the boiler, so that's, that's what I'm doing at the minute. Well, that's what he's doing. I'm just supervising. Did the boiler men work? Is it OK? He's, well, not yet. We don't know. He's, he's still working on it. So, we, we, you know, let's just keep, keep the fingers crossed that we can, you know... Send out a tweet. Let us know. Out. We'll keep our fingers crossed, crossed <laughs> for you, my friend. Um, I'll tell you what, seeing as you're now with us, Dan, I'll put this first to you, Alex Iwobi, and what an important role he's playing at the moment. And having him back fit in the team seems to be really boosting those around him. He's got something, I think, that other Arsenal players haven't got. He's got that trick, as we knew, and myself and Nick have followed him since the days of playing in the youth team and the UEFA Youth League as well, where he starred for Arsenal. And when he was injured earlier on this campaign, it was a real blow to him and his development, I thought. But two assists uh, the weekend, uh, fantastic performance, thoroughly 
deserved his place in the starting lineup. Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, who we all wanted to do well at the start of the season um, and was brilliant in those pre season games. I think his performance has just dipped a little. We know what a talented performer he is, but Alex Iwobi is in on merit at the moment and another terrific display from the young man. Nick, just on that point, you look at, as Dan says there, the combination of these players, all of whom are playing in this kind of trio behind the front man and, and interchanging and each bringing their own presence to that role. It's, it's a key area for Arsenal, isn't it? They're blessed with talent in that area, but uh, they need all of these different players to perform in their own way. Absolutely, yeah. And I think Iwobi fits into it because of how good he is technically. Um, what always impresses me about him is the weight of his pass. Um, it always just seems to go directly to a teammate. He speeds up moves rather than slows them down. You, you never really see him pass behind someone. It's always in front. And also just the way he glides past people, I think, is, is one of his biggest assets because when you have someone like Mesut Ozil who can find a pass, if, if you're Alex Wobin and you can get away from your defender, then it's going to help massively, and especially when you've got the likes of Alexis Sanchez who's drawing defences out as well and opening things uh, up for Arsenal. And we, we've seen him actually against PSG and against Hull profit from that and get into some really good goal scoring positions and maybe unfortunately he hasn't quite been able uh, to find the target and when he did Alexis was on hand to, to steal the goal if you will mm. so I think that's the one thing he, we, we still want to see a bit more from Alex Werby which we did actually when he broke into the team um, at the back in the last season just, just to see him find the net a bit more but uh, a massive talent and I'm really really pleased to see him doing so well. So, three straight wins in the Premier League for the first time down since back in December for Arsenal. Up to fourth in the table, just a point behind Spurs. Uh, Everton and Man City at the top, not too far ahead as well. Um, things coming together, do you feel, at this stage? Yeah, I think so. And after what happened on the opening weekend of the season, and there was a lot of disgruntlement among supporters um, after the uh, defeat to Liverpool, but things can turn around pretty quickly. And Arsene Wenger was always very confident. And we're, we're too quick these days, aren't we, to uh, to damn and, and think that things are going wrong. Uh, new players have come in, and Jacka was good when he came on. Of course, scored very late um, at the weekend. But yeah, I mean, you know, things are looking up here. We're five points off the pace set by Manchester City, who have won all five games. They won all five games. Their first five games last season, they were odds on with the bookmakers last season and didn't win it. They didn't even finish in the top three. So let's just remember what happened last campaign. I know they're a different vintage because they've got a different manager. But even so, things can change around quickly, as Arsenal have proved. And I know you've been talking about PSG. And I know it wasn't the best performance. And Cavani, who scored four for, for Paris Saint-Germain at the weekend, if he had a going date, it might have been different. But just the last couple of results, we found a way to get a point in the Champions League. Um, we've beaten a whole side who have started pretty well. Mickey Phelan's got that job now, I believe. So I think that generally things are looking much better for Arsenal at the moment. And guys, obviously, as well as looking ahead, as we will, to the Chelsea game a bit later on during the Arsenal Weekly podcast, there is EFL Cup action, isn't there, on Tuesday night as Nottingham Forest, uh, the opposition and at the city ground. Going to be fascinating to see what happens. Sheffield Wednesday was a big disappointment in this competition last year, Nick. Yeah, it was. And I think, especially for those fringe players, it's a massive opportunity to, to state their claim, if you will. And I mean, looking back to that, that Sheffield Wednesday game, I think Alex Wobie actually made his debut in that. Um, he became, I think, the 200th player that, to get his debut under Arsene Wenger in, in that match. And look, it's a big chance for the, for the likes of Matteo Debussy if he's fit. Uh, David Ospina, of course, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I'd expect to come back in. Holding maybe might come back yeah, in. Yeah, Rob Holding as well. And then some of the, the, the younger guys as well, the likes of Tuba Akpom, Jeffrey and Adelaide, who had good pre-season tours and haven't really had a chance yet 
uh, this season to stake their claim. It's a good opportunity for them and, and Chris Willock as well. Yeah, absolutely. I presume you'd echo those sentiments as well, Dan. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Arsenal can make a decent fist of this competition this year and, and go a bit deeper into it, because I know that's one of Arsene Wenger's aims, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. And it was disappointing, Sheffield Wednesday, not, not just because of the defeat. It was the manner of defeat as well, I think. Well, we were poor that night. Sheffield Wednesday, because they only just missed out, of course, on promotion. One disappointing aspect for me, um, just looking at the game, is that Oliver Burke has, has left Nottingham Forest to go um, to Leipzig for, what was it, 13, 14 million quid. He looks a real talent. Would have been really interesting to see him play for Forest, but I'm not quite sure what Forest are up to at the moment because their owner seems to be moving in uh, rather old ways and they've not really put it together um, on the pitch so far this campaign. They had a, a good couple of wins earlier on at the start of the season, but they've just been a bit too inconsistent. And uh, they've got a, a number of um, Arsenal old boys. be interesting to if we see... Uh, Nicholas Bentner, of course, uh, Henry Lansbury's there as well. Armand Traore's there as well at the moment. So there's uh, one or two players that perhaps will have a point to prove when they take on Arsenal and Arsenal back. Great stuff. That is Dan Roebuck and Nick Brunsup joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. As ever, gentlemen, Nick, for the whole of it. Dan, belatedly, we appreciate your time. Thanks a lot, Ross. Cheers. No worries. Cheers, Ross. One of the players to feature off the bench in that thumping win over Hull at the KCOM Stadium was Lucas Perez. Here's the boss's views on his new forward signing from Deportivo La Coruña. I'm happy because uh, I believe he has the qualities to integrate well our team. Uh, because he's not only a goal scorer, he's a guy who uh, uh, combines well with his partners, can give a final ball as well, makes good runs. and. Uh, He's a little bit, uh, people will be surprised maybe because he's, uh, nobody knows him very well. Uh, he has travelled a bit uh, across Europe. But he's a, I think he's a late developer in this position because he has played on the flanks always. And uh, uh, he got a good eye for the, for the goal, you know, and uh, he had an outstanding season last year in a team that didn't create too many chances. So I'm confident that uh, he has pace, he's good technical level, he's a good finisher and uh, he has the ingredients to, to be a success. Of course, it's always a little uh, gamble to, from one country to another, a uh, different championship. But uh, I believe it was a gamble worth to take, really, I'm excited about that. And he's shown he's not afraid to test himself. He's played in Spain, Ukraine, Greece, then back to Spain. He's, he's, he's not scared, is he? No, uh, he is used to travel, you know, and uh, sometimes people have never been away from home. Uh, that was for me important in the decision as well. Uh, uh, I think even his father lives in London, so I, I believe that uh, that is uh, important as well. Uh, but uh, uh, he will adapt certainly uh, in a very easy way because he's used to, to uh, live with different cultures. He scored seven, in seven consecutive games last season, the first player for Deportivo since Bebeto to do it, so he's in pretty good um, company there. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, let, let's uh, have hopefully uh, have a good surprise. I'm confident we will. Uh, let's give him as well time a little bit, maybe, to uh, adapt to our uh, Premier League. But 
I had not uh, many hesitations. I watched him play and uh, watched his qualities. And uh, sometimes you have uh, to make uh, quick decisions. And I think this was one of the quick decisions I made, but it was not a too difficult one. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On September the 21st, 1997, with the score locked at 2-2 at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, Nigel Winterburn did this. Vieira. Winterburn. Oh, what a goal! Nigel Winterburn may well have won it here at Stamford Bridge for Arsenal. A fantastic shot. Well, that goal in the London derby had to be one of the most iconic moments of the double-winning season. And here are Nigel's memories of it. Yeah, first memory really was Dennis Wise slipping over in the uh, centre circle. He looked like he was coming towards me, and I was thinking at that time maybe passing. But once he went over and I took it another couple of yards forward, I just decided really to have a, to have a strike at goal. And uh, luckily enough for me, it flew straight into uh, the top corner of the net. But... Uh, I didn't realise it was actually so late in the game, but, um, yeah, it was a sensational way to, uh, to finish the game. It looked a, a pretty true strike, to be, to be quite honest. You can watch the flight of the ball and you just see the goalkeeper at that time and then you're thinking, this, this could go in sort of thing. And uh, just the, the pace on it just took it past the goalkeeper and um, into the top corner. I just think in terms of the game, uh, and always an away game, it was an exciting game as well. Um, to score so late, to, to snatch that victory, I think it always gives you um, a, a massive lift. And uh, I think with me scoring, it was such a shock to my teammates as well. Such a consistent and reliable left-back, Nigel played 584 times for the Gunners in total. He scored 12 goals over a 13-year period at the club and now can be seen on the Matchday Show on Arsenal.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
on Access Arsenal, we interview some of the individuals who work in and around the club doing all kinds of interesting jobs. And I'm pleased to say that this week on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast, we're delighted to welcome Jack Ironside from Arsenal in the Community. Jack, good to have you on the programme, my thank friend. You. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Um, your job, Arsenal in the Community, obviously I'd have thought a very rewarding one. Maybe just begin, if you can, by just telling us a little bit about what you would do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, obviously most of the attention is on the first team and what happens on the pitch, but there's um, some outstanding work that goes off it as well, which um, is a privilege to be a part of, to be honest. Day-to-day, um, -day it really varies. Um, some of it's practical, so working with our local community groups. Myself, I'm responsible for some of the estates work and a project that um, involves a local charity for refugees and asylum seekers. So part of it is working with those individuals and part of it is then in the office sort of working with partners and, um, and lining things up for the future. Wow, so it's quite a, a broad brush, isn't it? And, and a very exciting one where you've got a lot of different things to deliver to, to quite a diverse and, and, and a, at times, I'm sure, a very needy kind of group that you're out there to serve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, football is at the core of what we do at a football club. So football is really the tool that we use to engage. But around the football and off the pitch, we really try and sort of make some meaningful contributions to the, to the lives of the people that we're working with. Um, and that could be anything from supporting them into work, um, getting them into education um, or just mentoring. Um, but really, you know, it's quite a, it's, it's a rewarding job for us that deliver it as well. And I'm sure some of the core saves very similar, but there's a lot that I guess evolves and changes over time as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as, as the young people that we're working with change and as really as, as, as football in the community becomes um, almost more mainstream, you know, it, you know, when we first started, Arsenal was one of the first clubs to do it, really. Um, so it was quite new, quite fresh. Now it's becoming quite... It, football clubs are more expected to do this sort of work. So what we're delivering, there are similarities to sort of 30 years ago, but there's also some fresh approaches in there as well. What are some of those? Are you able to kind of give us one or two details about how things have changed over time, for example? Yeah, I mean, you know, so before it was really just getting people in and, and playing football, keeping them busy. Um, so, you know, yeah. back in the 80s when there was perhaps some social unrest, it was getting people into the old JVC centre at Highbury, giving them some football activities. Um, but as it's, as it's sort of developed, we've got a, a broader range of schemes. So, for example, if we're working with a young person um, on one of our estates programmes, it's not just about him playing football. It's about then what's actually going on at home, what's going on at school um, and with the rest of his life. So um, if he's not in work, can we signpost him into our um, employability programme and get them into work, whether that be here at Arsenal or with one of our local partners? So really, it's, it's not just about the football, it's about personal development. And how, I say difficult, but how challenging is that when you've got a lot of individual basis work as well as this kind of broader picture where football's got this great power for good, as we know, but to then turn that into a, a direct result for one individual can't always be that easy because it's clearly not one-size-fits-all at all, is it? No, it's, it's not. And, you know, we have to sort of um, tailor our approach, really, to meet the individual's needs. Some of what we do is group work and some of it is individual. We're quite lucky now, you know, that the Arsenal community team has grown to 23 full-time staff um, and then about sort of 60, 70 casual staff and, and an army of volunteers really wow. so we're quite well staffed now and quite well equipped to to, to work individually and, and in groups
And obviously the players get very involved when the opportunity arises. It's a good few years ago now when I was in one of my old jobs with the London radio station where myself and Theo Walcott did mm. some work actually in and around this very building with the community and it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. He loved it. But this is, is replicated between most of the players, if not all, isn't it? They love this chance. Yeah, it, I, I think the players enjoy it, but also obviously the participants, it's a massive, um, it's a massive deal for them to meet their heroes and it's quite inspiring when they get involved. Um, we try and make the players' engagement sort of fun and interactive rather than just sort of sitting and talking. It's a bit more about them really getting into the work and understanding what it is and understanding the individuals that we're supporting. And then for the individuals themselves, as I say, it's, you know, it's a... Uh, it's an inspiring um, occasion, really. So, yeah, it's, it's special. Um, one more project I wanted to mention before we finish with a couple more sort of specific questions on you. Um, Freedom from Torture, the football therapy project. That's another thing, isn't it, that's going on? Yeah, so Freedom from Torture is a local charity, literally just a stone's throw away from the stadium. Um, they support asylum seekers and refugees. Um, oh, so it's what you mentioned briefly before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they, um, they provide therapeutic support to these individuals. We um, started a project with them in 2010 10 actually, so we're going a little while now. Um, and we provide two weekly sessions um, for the for the for the, the clients. One is a football session, um, which you know where we do warm-up, ball work, uh, matches, which obviously has like physical benefits to it, but it's also it's that escape from some of the stress and the trauma that they're, that they're living with, the social skills, the language skills that come out of that as well. And it's, it's, it's been a good partnership, so it's staffed by also the community coaches, but also clinicians from the charity. So it really complements the delivery. And then we also have a language session as well, where it's not just you know sitting down, writing, doing reading and writing, it's practical exercise to boost their confidence, improve their communication skills. Um, and there's a social aspect to it as well. These, these guys are living in quite isolated areas. They're not, all, they're not in Islington, they're all sort of on the outskirts there, although the charity's based in Islington. So mm. to bring them in and provide them with, you know, some, some positive activities. Just a couple of questions to finish, which, Jack, we asked to, to all of the people who, who join us for this specific part of the podcast when it's on. Um, what would be your favourite memory so far during your time working for the club? Um, or one of them, if not? Yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, you know, I guess... On the pitch and off the pitch, really. On the pitch, you know, you'd have to go for the 2014 Cup <laughs> final. Because I, I joined the club in 2007, I hadn't been working for the club when we'd won anything. So that was obviously um, a good achievement. But really, I guess, off the field, you know, I'm very lucky to see like, some of the developments and the, and the achievements of our young people. So I guess, you know, your highlights are really seeing the achievements of others because um, we're there to support them. So seeing them turn from young, you know, young, um, young ladies or young men sort of growing up and um, really sort of going on to achieve is, 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 yeah, very rewarding. And taking pride in the achievement of others that you've helped instill, I presume, is one of the best things about my final question is, what are the best things about being part of this Arsenal family? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's you're very lucky. You know, I grew up as an Arsenal fan, um, so if I couldn't play for the club, then at least I wanted to be involved in some way. So I'm very lucky to do that. Um, you know, we've got a great, um, great club, and you know, the community team, especially where we're based at the hub, is you know, it's a very special environment to work in. You know, great people, um, and hopefully doing some some good work. So, yeah, it's a privilege. Jack Ironside from Arsenal in the community. He's our Access Arsenal interviewee here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Jack, brilliant to have you in, mate, and really, really interesting stuff. Thank you. Thank you. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, our very own tactical analyst.
Adrian Clark joins us as ever on the chalkboard. Morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, it always feels good, doesn't it, on the back of a 4-1 win. So, yeah, yeah, life, life is all right. Yeah, enjoyed uh, commentating myself on that. It was uh, a lively game, wasn't it? Definitely. We've been talking about it in yeah. the show already, but to be fair, a big step forward, I think. It, well, it was the brightest performance of the season so far. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. And, of course, among the highlights was that super goal from Granite Xhaka. And uh, as a result, our question on the chalkboard for you today mm. is your favourite first goal <laughs> for Arsenal. Blimey, you, you put me on the spot there, aren't you? <laughs> Crikey. Um, I mean, there have been a lot, a lot of first goals, so I, you'll have to forgive me if I, if I forget some belters. Right, what comes into my... I'll tell you what comes straight into my head. Mohamed Elneny. Oh, yes. In Barcelona, in the new camp last year. Not the kind of goal you would have associated with Elneny, but an absolute belting strike. Um, so Dennis Bergkamp, he, he produced a, a world, he didn't he? I, th I think it was against Southampton um, not long after he joined. I was at the club at the time and that was that was a thumping strike. And, and John Jensen was uh, unforgettable. I was on the bench that day uh, when he scored his one and only goal. Top corner. Um, oh, what's the best? I'll tell you what, John Jensen was a, was a cracker. If... if, if the listeners are too young to remember it. YouTube it. It was a real, a real beauty, really. Um, but I, I don't think I can remember a better one than Granite Xhaka. He gets, he, he gets top spot for me. And you've got a Jensen T-shirt mothballed away, obviously. I have. Yeah, no, I have. Uh, I was there when Jensen scored and he signed it. Excellent work. Thank <laughs> you for that, my friend. So, Chelsea. Saturday late kickoff. What a match to have coming up. And so much to talk about, really, about this. But we'll look maybe at the Blues and Antonio Conte coming in. And, and obviously a strong early statement, but a degree of fallibility we've seen as well. Yeah, the, the last couple of games haven't gone to plan. Uh, initially, there was a good reaction. The energy, I think, was the most noticeable difference. Chelsea coasted through games last year, didn't they, at half pace. Uh, they didn't really play for Jose Mourinho uh, and then the rest of the season, it, yeah, they weren't at full tilt. With Conte, it's different, they are. Um, but, yeah, there are fallibilities there. I think defensively, I'm not convinced that their back four has been strengthened adequately. I see weaknesses. In both fullbacks, in both fullbacks actually, primarily Ivanovic. Wouldn't be surprised actually if Ivanovic gets dropped for this game with Aspilicueta moving to the right and maybe Marcus Alonso coming in because I, I do see him as a as a big weak link and and obviously they'll be they'll be really frustrated. Last time out Liverpool, well they bossed them and and that will be exactly what Arsenal will want to do in this game. But history suggests Chelsea will raise their game against Arsenal. That's the problem. I suppose you look at the rest of that Chelsea lineup, Clarky and Golo. Kante hoovering up all of the danger and just doing what he did for Leicester, but arguably, with all due respect, on, on this slightly even more impressive stage. Mm. Well, he's, he's a top player, N'Golo Kante. He has started pretty well, actually. I think in this game, in a way, it'd be nice to miss him out. And by missing him out, I'm just saying, just clipping those earlier passes in behind the Chelsea defence, I don't think... You know, the back four is the quickest you'll ever see. And I'm thinking here of the likes of Walcott, Iwobi, Alexis. Um, sometimes just miss him out. We don't have to go through the middle where he's so strong, where he breaks up play so often. I think sometimes from deep positions, clip balls over his head or around him in behind that defence and maybe we can, we can get at them. Um, in terms of other strengths of Chelsea... 
the wide men have been really on song. Uh, they weren't at the best against Liverpool, but every opportunity so far this season, Chelsea have switched the ball really early at the earliest opportunities to Hazard and to Willian. So I, I think they are going to be important matchups, and, and our wide midfielders are going to have to work really hard to offer some protection because those two guys are big threats. There's a bloke called Costa, I believe they have at run. <laughs> yeah, he's not bad, is he? I mean, he is. What a nuisance. Uh, he's horrible and he's just got a record of winding Arsenal up and doing something that is a game-changing moment. So, so of course, we're going to have to be wary of him and ready for him, ready for the antics and the physicality that he's sure to bring. And just from Arsenal's point of view, Clarkie, to counteract some of this, do we look at changes after Hull? And I'm thinking, after Xhaka's goal, mm. do you look at... Cockle and Cazorla, do you break that up and try and get Xhaka back in? It's the only way you could probably do it, isn't it? It's a tough call. I, I, based on that performance, you wouldn't change it, honestly, because I thought everyone played pretty well. Um, the movement of the front four was, was excellent um, around Alexis. But, yeah, there is an eagerness to get Xhaka in. And I think Xhaka is a is the right physical player, because Chelsea are always strong, aren't they? Uh, and they will make it a battle. So if there was a change, maybe it would be there. Maybe Xhaka for Cazorla, which I'd be so loath to leave Cazorla out. You could then maybe replace him with one of your mobile three, if you wish. Yeah, exactly. Well. exactly. Yeah. So, so that's an option for the gaffer, for sure. Um, I, w I wouldn't be dropping Francis Cochrane. I thought he was outstanding against Hull. OK, a couple of normal questions mm. that we'd like to put in at this mm. point. What is the uh, Clarkey key head-to-head? -head? Well, you, you mentioned his name. You did to mention his name, um, a dirty word on this Arsenal Weekly podcast, but Diego Costa. Um, he has Watch to, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he has to be um, watched very closely because we know what he's like. And, and I'm worried slightly about those balls over the top. We saw him score from one, or and actually he didn't score, he got permitted to take a sent-off with a ball that caught Arsenal square in the match here at Emirates last year. Mustafi against... Diego Costa. This is two aggressive players, locking horns. Mustafi's pretty quick, but he's also prone to maybe getting a bit too tight sometimes. So he has got to be very, very careful not to dive in on Costa, because if he's one-on-one, -on -one, we saw it against Watford earlier this season, he will score. And in a sentence, Adrian, how do you beat Chelsea? You beat Chelsea by getting at them. I think you get in amongst them exactly like Liverpool did in the last match at Stamford Bridge. It's all about taking control of this match, swarming all over them, because I think if Arsenal can swarm all over them, we can score goals in this game and win it. Clarkie, there is an angelic face poking its way out of the door. <gasps> it's Liam. It's the <laughs> Arsenal Weekly Podcast well, producer. He's not that angelic, is he? Liam, you bring us a competition update. Yes, yeah, some more ludicrous introductions. They're getting better every week. <laughs> um, so last week we asked you, it was offside decisions. Adrian just thought it was corners. So you've looked up the wrong answer, haven't yeah, you? I have, you yeah. thought you'd won at first. I did. You, well, surely I'd won. Smug. Surely yeah, I'd won. Because so all I remember is Russ had a ludicrous guess. Yes, yeah, so Russ went for 12, you went for four. We're getting closer to an actual uh, three-pointer here, but um, six. It was six. It was six. Oh, it was six uh, happy so. days. I see, see, I hope you've taken note here. I could have gone 11 and, and been boring, but I've played the game properly. So, moving forwards, Russ, I'm expecting uh, similar sportsmanship. Like okay, my tactical approach, yeah. you're saying, should be yeah. altered. <laughs> yeah. a little competitiveness bit more. is getting right. like, two apiece. Yeah, bring it on. More and more strong every week. Okay, so this week we're going to go. Like I said London derby against Chelsea. It's gonna be. It's gonna be hectic. There's gonna be challenges flying in. How many bookings combined? 
Good shout. And yeah. it's Clarky first. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I think you're bang on, Liam. I, I can imagine this being pretty feisty. Referee will have to clamp down on it. I think there could easily be seven yellow cards in this game. Seven? Yeah, seven yellow cards. I don't think it's going to be quite that feisty this time. And as much as Clarky has told me to be really attacking and really exciting and go for something like two, I'm not going to... I'm going to say six. <laughs> That's outrageous. Oh. It's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Strong play. Look, I think if you were ahead, you would have played it a bit, uh, yeah. bit smarter there. But, all this yep. banter, I'm just going to make sure. Chip away. Chip away. Chip away. Seven Hopefully and like six. Costa won't It's be. noted. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Seven and six. We'll be out next week. Adrian, thank you very much indeed. Of course, you can catch Clarky every Monday on Arsenal.com. The Breakdown. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Arsene Wenger, to Nick Brumsack, Dan Roebuck, Jack Ironside and of course to Adrian Clark as well. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review in the process as well. And you can find us on Acast too so that you never miss another episode. We're back on Monday the 26th of September and until then, it's bye for now and come on, you got us. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.